God's Word, God's people, and God's truth are under assault and attack. Take refuge in the Lord. We need everyone to dig deeper, to lay the foundation so that we can stand tall for the Lord. Hey, everybody. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Aubrey Morris, and I'm the Children's Director at Artes Valley Campus. While things may slow down and be relaxing for some of you during the summer, for children's and student ministers, things actually speed up quite a bit. We have VBS, church camps, and other events that we try to engage our kids in and stay connected with them throughout the summer months. So let's say an extra prayer for Stephanie Mosley at our Marmette campus, Hillary and Caleb Wills at our Beckley campus, Philip Mullins and Cassie Gregg at our St. Albans campus, Luke Martin and myself at our Taze Valley campus, and all of our volunteers that put in so many extra hours to help us disciple our Gateway kids. And speaking of that, we'd like to share a special thought with you before we get into today's sermon. Do you want to protect your kids from all the information and messages they're receiving about sex? Well, then it's time to start talking. There is a sponge inside of each of our child's minds, and we could label this sponge curiosity about sexual things. We want to encourage you, Gateway parents, to fill your child's sponge little by little, drip by drip, as they go through the different phases of childhood. What happens when you pour water on a full sponge? It just dribbles off. Not much is absorbed. But if you notice on the dry sponge, it was absorbed quickly. Let's face reality. If our kids are not discipled and poured into by us, they're going to be poured into and discipled by someone who isn't us. Will that be a friend, a teenage babysitter, a TV show, or a social media account? We want their sponge to be full of the truth that we have already poured into them as their parents. So let's start talking. Let's fill our children's sponges with our voices and our biblical values so that they can have confidence in who God created them to be, male and female, each with unique qualities, and build up foundations of their faith so they'll be ready for whatever comes their way. This is ultimately the best way to protect our kids. All right, good morning. Anybody ready to talk about sex? Well, we we are going to a little bit. Hey, thanks for coming today. If you're a guest, thanks for being here. It's Memorial Day weekend, and uh, we do appreciate all those who serve, who wear the, the uniform, and especially, as Karen said, those who gave their lives. Throughout history, let's not ever forget the men and women, but especially those men who stormed the beaches of Normandy, who walked the sands of the Middle East, who fought in the jungles of Vietnam and the mountain, cold mountains of Korea. We should never forget them. Amen? Amen. It's, it's not a worship of our flag. It's not a worship of our nation. It is an acknowledgement of how they lived out God's will for their life and how they stood up for freedom and against oppression and tyranny. So this is a big weekend. Maybe you'll visit a cemetery 
today or tomorrow. Uh, you know, a lot of younger folks don't, uh, don't do that anymore, but you should, you should remember those in your family or those in your, uh, especially those who, who might have a flag in their, in their graveside, uh, the price they paid. Who knows what the future may hold and the price you and I will be asked to pay to defend what we know and what we love, right? So <clears throat> thank you for, um, for being here on this Memorial Day weekend. We have a lot of people out, I know, across the church and maybe camping. And so some of them will be watching this, hopefully, from their campsite. And uh, maybe it's raining there and they'll be inside. So that serves them right, doesn't it? They'll, they'll be inside. Let me say congratulations to the Winfield High School girls softball team. I see two of the stars here today. State champions. State champions. And uh, great job, ladies. Um, and uh, I know the, the Winfield boys team is playing uh, baseball this coming weekend. And Hurricane, I'm sure you guys have sports too. Um, <laughs> That you're good at. I'm just not uh, as up on those uh, as I am Winfield. Aubrey, thank you, wherever Aubrey is, for that. that. That's being played at each of our campuses this morning because we're in what's called Foundation Sunday. Now, if you're new to the church in the last few weeks or even the last couple months and you haven't really caught on, we're doing a yearly theme called Foundations. Psalm 11 talks about the foundations being destroyed. And we're talking here about spiritual foundations, the things we build our lives on, those truths, those biblical truths that we try to pass down. You want your children and their children and their children to be blessed, like we just sang? Then you got to make sure they have instilled in their hearts and their minds biblical truth. We need a biblical worldview. Or we could say a Christian worldview, which is based on the Bible. If we ever lose that in this country, and we seem to be losing that as a norm, if we ever lose that, then the country is not going to look like it did uh, when so many people fought and died for her. Agree or disagree? So we need to, uh, that was a little weak, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to push in and keep going. <clears throat> we need to continue to build our foundation. So what we're doing every last Sunday of the month, we're covering a topic, a truth that clearly is stated in the Bible, but that we see right now, we see our culture pushing back against. We've talked about the existence of God, how God created the world how you and I are made for a purpose, how we're made in the image of God. And, uh, you know, the culture is pushing back on that. Our culture, which is largely an atheistic culture and becoming that, relegates God to those of us who are what they call right-wing or they call fundamentalist or they call old-fashioned or whatever. Some of them call uh, people who believe in the Bible extremists. And, and some go as far to say as uh, terrorists. And that's just nonsense, isn't it? Because Christians have always wanted what's best for people and what's best for our nation, which is how we were founded. So we're trying to put these values back into our kids, and that's why you saw the Hernandez brothers up here. Didn't they do a great job? Uh, yeah, and all of our children are learning a little bit about the topic of the month 
every month. So every Sunday, there's a, uh, they learn a little bit and they're prepped and primed. And they cover this uh, a different topic uh, every month. So we are, uh, we're, we're just, we're, we're trying. Parents, we're trying. Trying to help you. We're trying to help you raise your kids with a biblical foundation. And we think you want that, or maybe you wouldn't be here today. We think you want that, and hopefully you do want that. Now, I noticed in that, in that video, it was a, man, that, where was that? That was a great-looking shot, wasn't it, that Aubrey was filming in? I'll tell you what that location was. Anybody know? It was our new student ministry center. Doesn't that look good? And so let me just tell you, today is the last day you can make a name nomination. If you want to suggest a name. For instance, one of our students suggested a name. I don't know if we can get this all on a sign, but the name that she suggested was the tiny house that they built for the student ministry. I don't know if we can get all that on there. Other names are things like the mod. You know, we used to call it the modular. The hub. Uh, the Foundry. There's lots of different names. But I want to tell you something. Those, those who've worked on that, thank you so much. Tony Stilwell has led the way. Uh, Al and Stephanie Eagle have really uh, dressed it up. And everybody, Dave Martin never gave up on that modular. Even when it was broken too, and some of us were saying, take that thing to the dump. Dave said, I'm not giving up on it. And uh, thank God he didn't. And look at it now. Now, I have to tell you, our original budget for that <clears throat> was about 75000 But we decided, that's the, and, and the good news is, we have given, and I say we, I mean this campus mainly, has given nearly $71,000 for that. That is awesome. You deserve a round of applause for that. <clears throat> that's the good news. The bad news is, we decided to put a bathroom in there. Because we didn't want your kids to have to run over here in the rain or whatever. And we put a kitchen in there. You should go see it. And, and so that drove our costs up to about 110000 So our general operating fund has absorbed that extra $35,000, $40,000. And so I just wanna, I'm just here to say if you'd like to give, uh, if somebody wants to write a check for forty today, uh, yeah, that, we'll consider taking that, all right? Or if someone wants to give $40, then uh, we'd love for you to keep giving for that so that our general fund will be a little bit uh, less stressed uh, to absorb that. But it's going to be great space. You can name it. Today's the last day. And at the end of June, the last Sunday in June, we're going to dedicate it. We're going to dedicate it. We're going to have a picnic out here in the backfield, weather permitting. And we're going to go over there about 2 o'clock and we're going to dedicate the, uh, the new student ministry building, the Mod Foundry student tiny building that they built for the students, whatever it's called. So get on, in on that. And, uh, and young people, students, teenagers mainly, uh, if I were you, I'd be like, wow, this is, they did this for me. They did this for us. It's a cool space. I think you're going to like it. <clears throat> so back to business here. When uh, David wrote in Psalm 11, when the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? He was pushing back against people who were saying, hey, you know what? The, 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 the enemy is already there. They're already got their arrows pulled back. You know, picture an archer with his arrow pulled back, ready to fly, ready to pierce through you and destroy you. 
And so what you ought to do, David, is you ought to run. Flee like a bird. David said, why would I do that? Why would I do that? And if the foundations are destroyed, in other words, if I run, the foundations will be destroyed. If I'm all scared and I run because the enemy is already throwing his arrows at me, then the foundations will be destroyed, and then what will we do? Folks, I want to tell you something here. We are in a time like no other in our nation, and maybe in the world, where the foundations of biblical truth, Christian foundations, a Judeo-Christian worldview, is being pushed aside. And we are under attack. Did you hear me? I don't know if you realize this. I don't know if your life is so comfortable and you're so affluent and that you're enjoying so much of your life that you forget that we're in a spiritual battle every single day. Agree or disagree? Boy, you guys, uh, first service was uh, not quite this crowd, but they were stronger in their conviction there. So uh, I, listen, I've got to push in, don't I? I want to convince you today that we're in a battle. We're in a battle every day for the foundations. And today's topic, as you saw in the Prepped and Prime, is uh, it comes right out of Scripture. It comes right out of Scripture, and it seems like all the really big and important foundational truths to our life really come out of the first couple chapters of Genesis. It's, it's amazing. The first two, three chapters of Genesis hold so many uh, foundational truths for us. And so here's the one that I'm going to cover today, which I think is under attack. It comes from Genesis chapter 1. It starts at verse 27. And I just want you to know that this is the end of Genesis 1. This is the end of the creation. And so God had made everything, you know, the, the sun, moon, stars, light, night, day, and uh, everything. And he made uh, all the plants. And then on day 6, on day 6, he made the animals. He made the animals. Now, God is not a man, so I'm just kind of describing him like I would if he were a man, but he's not a man. Jesus was a man, but God, when he created the world, uh, he, he's God. So, but, so give me some grace here, but, but perhaps if we could think of God like maybe you and I would, uh, God created all the animals, and he looked at him, and he said, oh, that is a pretty cool animal right there. I mean, look at those stripes. Look at those spots. Look how tall he is. Look how little he is. Look how tiny. Look at the intricacies of his body and his, the way he lives. But he says something is missing. Something's missing. And maybe, maybe he took a lunch break. Maybe he took a lunch break. <clears throat> maybe he's eating some fruit from the garden. He, he, he didn't take a nap yet, but he would today after church. But um, he says something's missing i got to do something else. Now, again, I'm describing God in human terms. Understand, God had this planned out. He didn't need a nap. He didn't need a, he didn't need a break. He didn't need lunch. He didn't need anything. And he's God. He's self-sufficient alone. But God said, uh, let's just imagine, God said, I, 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 I think I'll make a man. I think I'll make a man. And I think I'll make a woman. Now, fellas, aren't you glad that God decided to also make a woman? Yeah. Agree or disagree? I should hear a big agree on that from the fellas. So, God took such pleasure in making us who we are and how we are. And so, the Bible says God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. He's talking about Adam and Eve here. 
man and the woman. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And I like to think that when God told them, be fruitful and multiply, that Adam turned and looked at Eve and said, let's get busy. (laughs) I'm just being honest, because that's what happened. And they filled the earth. They filled the earth. Now, this is what's under attack. And so, at the risk of being dated, at the risk of some of you going, really, Dave? I I want you to hear from one of the greatest Christian philosophers of our time as we start this subject. Here we go. Each one of these paper clips has its own job to do. Here's here a couple other different kinds. And yet they're all called paper clips. Here. And here's another one. This is a small one that's strong. Each one is is fancy. Mm-hmm. In its own way, just the way each person is fancy in his or her own way. Some are fancy on the outside. Some are fancy on the inside. Yes, sir. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is mine. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. Everybody's fancy, everybody's fine. Your body's fancy, and so is mine. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine. Your body's fancy. And so is mine. I think you're a special person. And I like your ins and outsides. Everybody's fancy. Everybody's fine, your body's fancy, and so is mine. All right, all right. I don't know what you think about that, but that's truth right there. That's truth. And amazingly, there are people who, when they watch that video, get some kind of a trigger. Do you know what triggered me, being triggered means? But how can you argue with such simple truth? You can't. You really can't. Yet today, with the inundation of social media, things like Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and all this stuff that is being used today, it is hard for parents and grandparents to stay on top of it, isn't it? Let's just admit, it's hard to, to stay abreast of what the, uh, our kids are using and what they're doing. Therefore, if we can't stay on top of it, we can't control or monitor 
keep accountable the information that young people are receiving, especially when it comes to things like sexual issues and sexual identity. But we know the Bible's on our side. God is on our side. That's what we know. That's what David said. The Bible says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so, we're going to talk, and I I know I switched it up there on your mic, we're going to talk about gender dysphoria and transgenderism today. I know it's 2023, who would have thought 10 years ago that we would have to talk about this in church? But I want to tell you something. We need to be educated Christians because this is the normal talk. This is what's going on in our culture today, whether it's a commercial you're watching or a show you're watching or even your news programs. This is what we're being flooded with. Agree or disagree? Thank you. And so, uh, and so we read in the Bible that uh, God made us either with an XX or an XY chromosome, right? That, that's what he said. And so that determines whether we're a guy or a girl. And let's be honest, we just can't change that. We can't change it. Yet there are people today who are saying this is negotiable or they're saying when God made me, God made a mistake. Do you think that God makes mistakes? Absolutely, he doesn't make any mistakes. Therefore, when he made you, he made something wonderful, incredibly. But let me tell you something. Before we respond aggressively to the transgender movement, we need to, we need to back up and we need to kind of uh, get a hold of ourselves because here's what we're about as Christians And it's in our mission statement as a church. We want increasingly to grow as we love God, love love people. There's no asterisk there. Not certain people. Not certain colors of people. Not certain types of people. Not certain people with certain beliefs. But we love people and we serve. And we serve. And to help us kind of be compassionate... Uh, imagine that you're a teenager that you feel like you don't fit in your body. You've never been happy. You're, maybe you were born a boy, but you never liked to play in boy ways or with boy toys. You preferred maybe to do softer things or dress up things and dolls and things are typically associated with girls. Or imagine you're a girl and you never really like to play inside with girl things. You like to play rough and noisy and, you know, kind of things. Maybe you're called a tomboy, things that were associated with boys. And imagine, parents and grandparents, that it was your teenager that feels that way. And your teenager comes home and tells you, I just don't feel right in my own body. You know, it's okay to be against something. And, and for something else, but when it hits you and your family, when it's your child, when it's someone you love and hold dearly to, then it, it, it rocks your world, doesn't it? It makes you think, now how am I going to think about this? How am I going to respond without being mean or dispirited or, or hateful? I, I've got to do something. You know, I've heard of elementary uh, uh, boys coming home and telling their parents there's a tampon dispenser in their bathroom. 
or uh, uh, Nelson Girls, imagine, just imagine for a moment, sorry to call you out there, but I want you to imagine that the team you played on Friday, and I, I'm just assuming here, I don't know this, but let's assume the team you played on Friday had two biological boys on the team. And they were big and strong, but they decided about 10th grade that they were going to be girls. And they already played for the boys' baseball team, but now they want to play on the girls' softball team. Imagine the team you played having those two boys on their team. It'd been a little bit harder to bring the championship trophy home, wouldn't it? It sure would have. But that's what's happening in our world today. We have people of all sports and all uh, genres of life making these decisions. So it is, a, it, is a, it is something that we need to be ready for in the church. We need to be educated. You might be sitting there thinking, why are we talking about this? Because we do not need to be ignorant. We need to be educated and we need to be ready to give a response to those who say, no, this is right. And we're saying, no, God's word is right. Let's define some terms to get started with. <clears throat> First, there's the term sex. Everybody say that with me. You never thought you'd be able to say that in church out loud, did you? Say it again. Sex. Sex. Okay, why did some of you guys say that louder than uh, others? I'm not talking about the the, uh, moment of intimate love sharing between a husband and a wife. I'm talking here about the old definition, which is male or female with reference to chromosomes that I just mentioned, internal reproductive anatomy, and external genitals. And there's a word I never thought I'd say in a church as a preacher either. But we, this is 2023, folks, and we got to be very clear, don't we? This is the word sex. This is the definition. And just to time stamp this, 2023, this is us defining the word sex. It's, it's how you were born. It's, it's what happened when you were conceived, when those chromosomes fought to take their place in your body. All right? Then there's the term gender identity. This term used to be synonymous with sex, biological sex, but it's changed now. This term, again, this, some of this is like, oh, yeah, we know all this, but maybe if you're like some, some people I know, it's like, okay, give me some education on this. This, is, this refers not to a person's biological sex, but this refers to how a person feels about who they are. So they might have been born a man, but they feel like a woman. They feel like a woman. So this is gender identity. Now, I want you to know that these feelings are based mostly on stereotypes and not biology. If you're a science out there, it's, it's, it's stereotypes of what, what a woman should feel like, what a man should feel like. You know, in the Bible, God some, is referred to, at least on one occasion, maybe a couple times, like a nursing mother. Now, I'm not saying God is female. God is neuter or neutral or that he's neither one. Jesus came as a male because of the culture in which he lived. God could have done that differently, but he didn't. And so uh, uh, the stereotypes sometimes dictate who I think I am because I think I'm supposed to feel a certain way. And what's going on today is that a lot of people trying to create a gender neutral or gender fluid society where there's no, there's no biological sex mentioned. You can be anything, which leads me to the third term, which is non-binary. Non-binary, binary is the word for one or two, one or the other. 
Non-binary means a person says, I can be anything I want. Yesterday I was a male, today I'm going to be a female. And so if, if someone says I'm non-binary, then they, you know, they can just do whatever they want according to their own set of rules. Which leads us to the fourth term, which is gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria means there's confusion there. There's a state of unease there. There's tension there about who I am as far as my, uh, my body and who I feel like I am. And this is where our compassion kicks in, Christians, because as followers of Jesus, we, guess what? We understand dysphoria. We understand tension of what it feels like to be in the world, but not, help me out here, of the world. We live with this daily tension. Now let me ask, uh, do you know the definition of dysphoria? The, uh, the, the dictionary, this is a Google dictionary, not the Bible, the dictionary says, a state of unease or generalized dissatisfaction with life. And who here that's a serious Christian is not generally at unease or dissatisfied with uh, things in the world. If you're a serious Christian, let me tell you something. You ought to be clashing with the world. Your life shouldn't be so cushy and so non-abrasive uh, that you don't stand up for anything. You ought to be clashing with the world. Now, how you clash is another thing. But there ought to be times when you bump up against something. It's like, whoa, we can't go there. We can't do that. We can't allow our kids to watch this. There ought to be times when there's a clash of values and of, of beliefs and of, and, and, and of uh, your cultural uh, uh, expression. There ought to be a clash of that in your life. Uh, the Bible says friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So let me say this again. If your life is so comfortable and so easy that you're just smooth sailing through and you don't have, you, you'll accept anything. I mean, it doesn't matter what they believe. It doesn't matter who's influencing your friends. You just want to be loving. You just want to, you just want to embrace everybody. You just want to accept everybody for who they are and let them influence your life. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we shouldn't love everybody. The Bible is clear that God's love cannot tolerate what his truth cannot accept. There will come a day when there's a judgment day. And there will be many who are separated from the presence and the love of God. That's just the truth of the matter. I didn't make that up. That's just the way it is. And, and uh, uh, there's this battle going on within us. People say, well, I don't, I'm not happy who I am. Neither am I. I don't know about you, fellows, but we battle temptation every single, fill in the blank there for me. Yeah, yeah, you got it right, son. Not every single day, every single hour, nearly every single second. We need to talk after church, though, if that's going on. <laughs> It's every second. <laughs> There's a battle going on. This battle is between my, my heart and my flesh. Agree or disagree? Absolutely. And if you're, you're, a, you're out there and you've got a heartbeat, this is true for us. 
Paul told Timothy, he says, flee these things and pursue righteousness and godliness, faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. And listen to what he said, fight the good fight of the faith. And it is a good fight because it's the fight for the souls of our children and our grandchildren. It's a, it's a fight for our own souls. Listen, folks, we can't get this wrong or we're going to lose our culture and we're going to lose our country to a lot of nonsense that just cannot be backed up even by science. Can't even be backed up by science. Our final term to define is the term transgender. You might know some. I know those who uh, consider themselves transgender. And this is a person who was born one way but identifies as another way. Some of them are taking uh, hormonal treatments. Some of them are doing surgeries. You know, uh, it's, it's funny that, um, that uh, hospitals are, a lot of hospitals are quick to do the surgery, but there's studies that have been done that said 70% of those who are struggling with this, if they're just left alone, they grow out of it. They come out of it. So, you know people like Leah Thomas, who was born a male, was a male by his Biological sex, he identifies as a female. He's a University of Pennsylvania swimmer. On the men's team of his last year of school, he decided to be a female, and he, he of course, won and shattered all the records. Bruce Jenner is now named Caitlyn Jenner, and there's lots of this going on in our society, and a lot of people are just saying, this is okay. If they want to be that way, let them be that way. And I'll agree with that. If they want to be that way, if you want to believe this, you can believe this. But don't try to push it on my kids or my grandkids or say that this is normal. Because this, this is a disorder. It's dysphoric. That's what they call it. It's dysphoria. It is a state of confusion about what God made. So what is our response? <clears throat> Again, we need to be defensive because the Bible says be prepared to give an answer, give a defense for your views. But we cannot be uh, abrasive. We cannot be obnoxious, right? We cannot be obnoxious. We need to be strong and defenseless. So here's some responses for you with Bible references. They say, if you don't accept us, you don't care about us. Is that true? If you don't accept us, you don't care about us? No. We say, we do have compassion for you and your struggle because, again, we, we understand dysphoria. We understand that there's times when we don't feel like we fit in this world. Not gender dysphoria, but we feel the tension between living here in the flesh, but headed toward a place eternal. We feel that tension. And let me, let me remind you, if you're all caught up in the fleshly, all caught up in the world, then you, you need to give some mind to the, uh, the eternal because eternity is going to last a lot longer than this world, right? We can rewrite God's word. We cannot rewrite God's word. Can't do that. Some people want to. We can rewrite how we... How we have compassion, because that's what we say. We have compassion for you. A lot of people who uh, deal with issues like sexual issues, they believe the church is hateful, that the church is mean-spirited. Standing up for your convictions and your values is not being hateful. How you present them could be 
And again, we can't rewrite the word, but we can rewrite how we share the word. We need to be known as people who love and people who have compassion. This is as much a a spiritual disorder as it is a a mental disorder uh, and confusion. And so uh, we, we have compassion and we need to remind ourselves of that. This verse of scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This scripture does not come with an asterisk, does it? It's not like, okay, God only loves certain people. God God, uh, didn't love everybody. And then it says he did not send his son into the world to what? What's that next word? He didn't send his son into the world to condemn it. We're not here to condemn it. We're here to stand up for what we believe, which is what we believe the Bible says. Uh, We're not in the condemning business. Who is in the condemning business? Only God. God is in the condemning business. We'll leave that up to him. As for me and my house, we will serve and obey the Lord. They say we are not comfortable in our bodies. We're not comfortable in our bodies. We, what do we say to that? We, if you're talking to a friend or you're talking to someone, we have to say, God created your body. And he created you for your body. Now, let me tell you something. God does not make mistakes. And so um, we, we have to encourage people that, hey, God did this. God did this. And maybe you do feel confused. Maybe there is some... Uh, some behavior or some thinking in your mind that fits a, a different stereotype. But God made your body and he made you for your body. Otherwise, you have to say, God made a mistake with me. And if you say God made a mistake, that's a whole nother rabbit trail we have to follow. And that will bring God down and get rid of him eventually. You know, when I was talking earlier about God creating man on uh, day six. Maybe it was after lunch, you know, in the afternoon. I like to think that God put special, extra special attention in creating everything he did. I mean, just imagine, you look at nature and you look at the animal and plant kingdom, and it's incredible, isn't it? If you're, a, if you're bent towards science and biology and that kind of thing, yeah, you, can't, you, you have to admit that, the, that, the, that nature is incredible. I mean, it's just fascinating. And they're discovering new things about nature, even today, thousands of years after uh, its creation. But I believe when God created man, I think he... I think he did this kind of number and said, now I'm about to do my best work. Now, I don't know how many of you know how many cells are in your body. Anybody have any clue, any science students here, how many cells are in your body? How many? I'll give you a hint. It's close to the number of our national debt. You're smart. (laughs) Did you hear this sermon already? 37 trillion. Now, our national debt's not there yet. Give it another six months. All right? 37 trillion cells in your body. Can you imagine? God is like, I want to do this with this one and this with that one and this with this one. I mean, he had, I think... Uh, It brought him pleasure to create humanity, to create us. And it's amazing what he's done. 
The Bible says, for you form my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In Psalm 63, oh God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you and my flesh faints for you. God has a high view of your body. The Bible says in Romans 12, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice back to God. So if we understand in the Bible, there's this deep connection between our bodies and our soul. And God did not separate those two. Now one day he will and he'll give you a new body. And you'll be able to do things that you never dreamed you could do. It's going to be an incredible, I might be able to dunk a basketball. And I can do it now if I lower the goal all the way down. And if anybody wasn't comfortable in his own skin, it had to be Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, was in the form of God, but he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's our response. God did this. God made you just the way you are. Finally, they say, well, we want to be happy with who we say we are. We just want to be happy. Everybody wants to be happy, don't they? We all want to be happy. Whoever we are, young and old alike, we want to be happy. The problem is the definition of happiness. Some people define happy this way. You listen to your mind and then change your gender or change your body. Do what your mind tells you. Follow your heart. Even though the Bible says the heart is what? Deceitful. Deceitful. God's definition of happy, and that's, what we, that's our response, be happy in who God says you are. His definition of happy is to embrace what I gave you. Embrace what I gave you and give back to me. That's what the Bible says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. God loves us so much, he, he wants us to be happy too, but we can't be happy outside of the will of God. Let me say that one more time for those of you who are pursuing happiness, because we all are. You cannot be truly happy outside of the will of God. If you think you can, and you want to give it a go for the next 50, 60, 70, 80 years of your life, you might find some temporary satisfaction, but remember what I said earlier, eternity is a long, long time. If you want to be truly happy, live inside the will of God. Stand up for him. Here's what God says. If anyone would come after me, let him promote himself. Is that what it says? It doesn't say promote himself. What's it say? Deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's not easy to do, but that's what we're asked to do. And when we live inside the will of God, denying ourselves, even though we may feel this way or we may be that way, following Jesus means putting that behind me and putting him in front of me. Well, I love that verse in Psalm 139, fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't you love that verse? That's what God did. You know, when my girls were little, I would, <clears throat> I would take them to school in the morning because mama went to a different school and they went to... Winfield, I don't know the whole story, you know, because my brain is fried. 
But for years, I would drive uh, Jordan and Taylor, our oldest two, to Winfield Elementary to school. We lived on Rocky Step Road, and we were always late. I mean, always late. And it wasn't them, it was me. Typically, it was me. So uh, our oldest daughter, Jordan, she's, uh, you know, she likes, she, she hates to be late. I don't know how she is now, but she hated to be late. And I tell you what, uh, she would be mad. I'd be going down Rocky Step about 60 miles an hour. Have you driven Rocky Step? Maybe 60, 65. And, uh, and her being mad had an effect on Taylor, our, our, you know, her sister. And so they'd both be mad. So there was no talking going on when we were going to school. It was just, you, you've heard this. And uh, I would always tell them this every morning because I had to get some leverage over them. I said, girls, you can choose to be happy or you can choose to be mad. And uh, they never did choose to be happy on those rides. <laughs> but they did remember that happiness is a choice. Happiness is a choice. So later, uh, after they moved out of our home, uh, our middle daughter got a tattoo. And I'm not necessarily against tattoos. I don't have any. I don't want any. But she got a tattoo on her foot, inside of her foot. And at least it was scripture. It came right out of the Psalm 139. And it says, fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah, it's so beautiful. We were at the beach uh, shortly after she got that tattoo. And we all noticed that the E was wearing off of the word made. <laughs> Are y'all getting it? Some of you are getting it just now, getting it. So my wife and I had a conversation later, and we said, well, God did that. Maybe. I do think she went and had the E uh, re retouched up. Uh, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, aren't we? Not mad, not mad, we're made. I hope you are. Would you stand with me and let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you made us to be. Help us to be happy in that. You took great pleasure in creating us. And we have friends and even family members and some who, are, who believe that you made a mistake when you made them. But God, we, we don't buy that. We believe you did what you did, and it's perfect. I pray, God, that we would, we would celebrate who you made us to be, at, not at birth, but at conception. Whether the stereotypes fit or not, we're going to live out our life the way you made us and what you made us to do. Help us to do that with our friends. Help us to encourage them to turn to you deny themselves and follow you for the best life ever. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a few decisions you could make right now as we uh, end our service. One, you could decide for the first time. I, you know, I believe. I'm a, I'm a believer in God's word and the gospel. And you could make that decision. And you could act on that belief this morning. You could, in your mind, say, I'm going to turn away from the stuff that's pulling me away. And that's called Repentance. You can even come this morning and say, I want to I seal the deal with the Lord. I want to be baptized into Christ. 
and start my walk and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to help you at every single turn. Maybe you need prayer or maybe you want to put membership here. Whatever it is, we invite you to make a response this morning as we sing.